Hello, everyone. This is the COTL Podcast, Episode 2, Season 4, I believe. We're getting on up there. I'm Terry Craig, alongside my two protégés, Trey Forrest Martin. You said that at the same time. Yeah, Forrest Tucker, Trey Martin, just for the ones who couldn't understand my guys. And uh, oh, Forrest is over here laughing. We're, you know, we're just having some jokes. But anyway, European football is back. Europa League and Champions League. And, of course, a lot of matches has all, have already been played. But today we're going to focus a little bit more on the Spanish clubs. Spanish clubs really haven't been doing that well recently. I'll just list off a few results. Chelsea beat Atletico 1-0. Let me pull up another one. Of course, famously, Barcelona lost to PSG 4-1. And Real Sociedad lost to Manchester United in the Europa League. What was it? 4-0? Yeah, 4-0. So, I'll swing it to you, Forrest. What's the problem that you see with the Spanish clubs right now? I don't really know. I, I really can't put my finger on it. It's like, it, I, and I don't, I just, I just don't know. I, I really can't wrap my head around that I don't know we talked about earlier in the season that or the last season that the league has kind of been turned on its head but I don't know if it's a COVID thing that they've been impacted by or anything else it just seems very suspect that they're not doing that well I think we have I but actually to that point we have talked about how Real Madrid and Barcelona are struggling and then you know I don't know if you can really place much of this burden on Atleti or Real Sociedad They've been doing better than in, you know, this season than in previous seasons. But I think just the focus on how Barcelona and Real Madrid don't have a real identity right now, in my opinion, they're not the te- a team that, or a, two teams that we are as sure of as we have been in the past. Maybe, that, maybe that's the issue. That I, I just can't, I can't analyze it too much. It's a weird phenomenon. Well, uh, in the previous decade... It seemed like you know European football ran through Spain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was Barcelona. They won a couple in a row, and then Madrid mm-hmm. won a couple in a row. And I mean, let's be honest: the the world of football revolved around Leo Messi at Barcelona and Cristiano Ronaldo at Real Madrid, and. And now Ronaldo, you know, is gone. He's he's in Italy. Leo Messi is kind of, you know, trying to get away from Barcelona. So, I, I honestly, it's just I feel like the end of an era. And um, we got very used to those clubs just being there, winning the title every single year. Um, and I can't say that I think it's a bad thing necessarily. I, I think, you know, just the game is evolving. Um, new faces are coming in. Um, new new kind of strategies are being formed, and that's just how things go. Um, but, you know, in the decade before then, um, it, you know, the Champions League was kind of going through England in a, in a lot of different ways. So I think it just kind of is how the game is evolving, um, and we are in a new decade, and we've got COVID that is happening, so that's obviously going to play a factor. Um, but uh, I, I can't, while it is very noticeable, 
I can't say that it's a, a bad thing, and it was going to happen sooner rather than later, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that you really hit on the Champions League, so I'll talk a little bit more about the Europa League. And really, for a long time, Spanish clubs really had a chokehold on the Europa League. It was really either Sevilla or Valencia winning it all, but I feel like the competition level in that competition has really gotten better. Like teams like Arsenal, Manchester United, Tottenham, they're all in the Europa League. And I know the Italian league very recently has gotten so much better. Like teams like AC Milan are really good again and they're all vying for the Europa League. And I feel like that just like with the competition getting so much better, they're releasing that chokehold that certain Spanish clubs in that particular competition have. And as for the Champions League, I just feel like that with Barcelona getting so much older like a lot of the team is over 30 they they really just don't have that it factor anymore in the Champions League and same for Real Madrid I feel like that when they lost Cristiano Ronaldo they just lost that fear factor that they had over other teams and quite frankly they haven't been able to replace Ronaldo I mean we don't really talk about how bad Eden Hazard has been for Real Madrid and they just aren't really up for it and uh they play Atalanta today, I'm not really sure how that's going to go for Real Madrid. I mean, Atalanta are a very good team. They have very relentless tactics. Their work rate is 100%, 100% of the time. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what Real Madrid can do. And, and we've already seen what Barcelona did, just wet the bed. And Chelsea took care of <laughs> Atletico Madrid as well. So, I mean, that tie could go either way, but yeah. I, I just pulled up some articles here, and to what we're saying, uh, there's tangible, tangible stuff to what Trey said, of course. Spanish sides, this is from Yahoo Sport, Spanish sides won six of the previous ten Champions Leagues, but last year in 2019-2020, um, no Spanish teams reached the semifinals for the first time since 2007. Um, and like with those departures of those two big players that were such trademarks of the league, now you have squads of guys that you kind of like, it's kind of like you had one puzzle piece that held it all together, mm-hmm. and now that's gone, and you need three or four more to fill that place. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's, and that's how it is. And so you can't tell me, like, like you, you said there, Ed Hazard hasn't worked out. He, like, we, we're not talking about him as much as we were when he was at Chelsea. That's for sure. I think we all remember when uh, Vinny Jr., was gonna. We were thinking, oh my gosh, he's a great, great player. And then a couple months, two years after he got to Real Madrid, he just kind of dipped. Essentially, a meme now. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I remember the same thing with Usman Dembele, who mm-hmm. I think he went through some injury trouble. I mean, he was at Dortmund and then moved to Barcelona, and then you're like, oh, another kind of dip. Um, and then Griezmann has not been the player he was since mm-hmm. that World Cup win that France had. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 a very player oriented drop. But what this article also says is that, you know, it says here, there's, they've had misadvantage in the transfer market. Um, but I don't know if you can really blame them for that, because at the time, those seemed like good buys, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, but there's a reason why, you know, these clubs always attract, you know, the players like the Cristiano Ronaldos. Um, Leo Messi, obviously, kind of grew up in the club with Barcelona, but... Um, yeah, I'd I'd like to. I don't know if we'll you know still be having this podcast five years from now, but you know five years from now it would be interesting to kind of look back because I'm not doubting that Barcelona can get it figured out, but you know when you put your entire you put all of your chips in one basket, 
Uh, is that the phrase? All of your eggs in eggs one yeah, basket. Yeah. All of your eggs you in one basket. You could say chips in one bowl. <laughs> all of your chips in one bowl, all of your eggs in one basket for so long. Um, and then eventually that's just not going to work. Um, so I, I think this year it's a chance, you know, for some of these clubs that uh, Terry had mentioned, you know, to kind of prove their worth and kind of, you know, make moves themselves. But, you know, I, I'm, I don't doubt that maybe – three or four years from now, uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona will be back, you know, in that position. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that I just saw there, and it, my, my apologies for not coming prepared, uh, was that, and of course we know this from when Barcelona was playing, it was all this tiki-taka and Spanish players on those teams, even if you weren't Spanish, you were on that team in that league. You had the ball at your feet a lot. You know, it's a very technical league where you're, you're passing and dribbling. But there's stats there that are showing that other teams have outrun them and covered more distance than them. And I think that it's, it's tough for players when they're playing their own teams week in and week out. They can slug it out with that fashion of soccer where you're just playing very technically. But some teams are just going to be playing so much more directly than you, and they're going to be running more because of that style. And then you're not used to that, so you just get caught out. Um, but I don't know. Do you want to talk about favorites to win? Because, I, I, look, Bayern's been unstoppable. Terry mentioned PSG. It just it seems like Bayern has been dominant against anyone they've played at all. Um, they've had scares domestically, though, and I believe they did lose recently. So not all is well, but like it, I feel like this competition is theirs to lose in some senses. You know, I, I'm going to have a guess that's really out in left field. I'm going to put all my chips on Borussia Dortmund. I really believe in this team. I think Erling Haaland is really coming into form. He scored a beautiful goal, little scissor kick goal a few days ago, and I saw that. I was just like, how he's getting to be the type guy that you can't bet against. Him and Jaden Sancho, I feel like, I don't think that they're going to win the Bundesliga. I think Bayern Munich will run away with that, but I feel like that that will motivate them more to put more emphasis on the Champions League. And I know, of course, that there are PSGs out there, Bayern Munichs out there in the Champions League that could potentially beat them. But I feel like if you give Dortmund, instead of 90 minutes, if you give them 180 minutes against some of these teams, I feel like that they could come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I can kind of agree with that. I, th- I think here's the thing. With Holland, I think he's the guy... That, again, we hear so much hype about, but I feel like that hype is actually valid. I feel like he validates that hype every match. When other players that are young don't do that, and when you're being tapped as someone who could be like Sergio Aguero's replacement, I, I think that's one of those things where, uh, they're, to me, they're different players, but he just has that X factor that you know I think a lot of young players get hype and then mm-hmm. they just kind of stay the same. I don't think that that's... the the case with him. How about you, Trey, on your prediction? You know, I it's hard for me to also go against Bayern simply because, um, you know, when, when you look kind of at how things happened in the Champions League last year with COVID, um, it kind of seemed like, you know, it was a matter of, like, people who had been there before and people who hadn't been mm-hmm. there before. Experience was outranking you know? stuff. And, um, you know, this season... <clears throat> It's a little bit more normal, but it's still not all the way there. Um, so I, I think that could, uh, you know, obviously give an opportunity for a team like Dortmund to, you know, kind of sneak in there and, you know, at, have like a, a new way of approaching things. But, you know, I, I, 
I typically try to play it safe on yeah. some of these things. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, you know, Bayern's been there before um, and they've continuously done it. And so I think they're the safest bet. I would love to see Manchester City get one. You know, I mentioned that in my My Take Monday that uh, I feel like it's it's kind of do or die time for them if they want to really, you know, cement their legacy as one of the best, you know, clubs that um, the Premier League has, you know, had to offer. They can't just, you know, win the Premier League. They have to, you know, go and beat some other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I think it'd be a shame if this season, you know, they weren't able to get one because... You know, they're going to be remembered as, hey, you know, they, they had a lot of success domestically, but you know, outside of England, they they weren't able to do much. So, yeah. you know, I, I think hopefully that's enough to motivate them and motivate Pep to say, hey, we, we need to really get this right this season because uh, I don't know how many more chances they're going to have to, you know, kind of, you know, make that make that impression on people yeah their players are only getting older and pep is only going to stay there for a you know a limited amount of time i think the bigger picture is if manchester city wins uh, and look liverpool won two years ago um and that was kind of the weird final they played spurs um but when you're talking about um english football in the champions league liverpool Winning that was really the first time since one of the, you know those really legendary United teams. Correct me if I'm wrong, where the Champions League was won by an English club. So Manchester City winning for England would be good um, to have two clubs win um, for you know two t- twice in three years. But uh, boys, any last thoughts before we take a break? I'm just super excited to see how this Champions League season. Mm-hmm. It happens or it goes. So, but that's all that we got for the Champions League right now. We'll have some more stuff for you right after this. What's up, guys? We're back from the break. Uh, still, still hanging here on the COTL podcast with myself, or Soccer Trey Martin. Terry Craig. Now, guys, I heard from a fan of the pod a couple weeks ago. He actually just followed us like yesterday. So props to props to Nikita for doing that. Um, Nikita, I, I mean, I'm gonna have to just like shout you out, man. Uh, you might not like it. You told me that you thought the EPL was boring. That was boring this season. I don't know. He's a Barca fan. I don't know much how much he's really watching. Um, of course, to each his own. But I would argue, guys, that the EPL has not been boring this season because we've seen some. Weird stuff going on in that table, and uh, I think when we started out uh, season three, around the time the EPL started in August, we were thinking, oh my gosh, what, what in the world? You had a My Take Monday, Trey, about Southampton and uh, you, uh, Wolves and such, these clubs that were shooting up the table should enjoy their time while it lasts. But I, that really hasn't happened. They, uh, yeah. they, I mean, Southampton's decline in recent weeks. They had that. Call game that where a, they absolutely... a freezing cold take. Monday. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's. Then well, okay. It might granted, hot. Now granted, it's kind of cold. Granted, for for like Wolves and Southampton and them, they did you know end up cooling off. But some of these other clubs, you know, West, West Ham, Ham Everton, you know, Villa. they Leicester, they've stayed up there. So I freezing Lester's cold been, take Lester, Monday. I, you know, Le- Leicester is gone from the best of the rest to one of the best. Um, look at the new training ground, by the way. Exactly. Holy Beautiful. Moly. Beautiful. I mean, that thing looks like it belongs in 
a uh, museum. It is a museum. It is a museum. <laughs> it, it looks like, I, how could you even like train there? You just want to look at it. Um, I, but I think West Ham are, who are in fourth place on how many points? How many points? They are on 45 points. Um, we talked about that on the tab in last week, Terry. They have eclipsed their total from last season. Um, I, I don't know. It just it, it seems like there is I, – imagine if fans were in stands. This would be insane. I mean, we would be – we'd see – imagine West Ham fans. We're in the London Stadium, which has always been a freaking uh, library. <laughs> Go, They'd be going crazy. They'd be going crazy. They'd be singing – David Moyes' name like it was no one's business. I don't even know. I mean, maybe, maybe that's why it's kind of boring. You're like, oh, man, this stuff's happening. But do you even really feel it? You don't see the reaction. Yeah. But. And just to backtrack just a little bit about the Premier League being boring, I personally, I don't think that it has been. But I could – the only argument that I could see is that I kind of feel like that Man City has wrapped it up for a while. Even when Man City were, like, meandering, like, third or fourth, I was like, oh, I mean, like, they're gonna win the it. Like they're, yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah, the surge is coming. Their their team, their squad's significantly better than everyone else. But from that standpoint, I could see it because I feel like what we're just seeing, we're looking at the table to see who can finish top four, who can finish in the Europa League spots, who's getting relegated. But as to who's winning the league, I feel like that's been wrapped up for a mm-hmm. while. I, I had my joy when United was top uh, for a bit, and I think it, you all were clowning me. But that was, when it was, that was when it was interesting for me, and then it's just kind of like, oh, crap, we, we, we did ourselves in. But at the same time, you know, it, there have been a lot of – there's been a lot of attention on the clubs that are not doing as well, that have been doing as well. And, again, I think that's a thing where you focus on a club that's diving like Liverpool um, and then not really the club that's at their height like West Ham um, mm-hmm. or Everton. So it's – but maybe if Liverpool weren't the title winners last season, there wouldn't be as much buzz. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting though. I think uh, I think you have to look back though. I think really the big thing people complain about defense on that team. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk is not playing. The <laughs> whole defense is not gone. playing. They don't have a, like they don't have center backs like Jordan Henderson just got an injury as well. Yeah, like I saw an emergency him go down. center back. Yeah, yeah, and so that's the thing is like you know, it's it's so difficult when you're deep. I think. You know, your offense can be misfiring all you want, but if the yeah. defense isn't there, I mean, you, you, that's that's your backbone. You have nothing to rely yeah. on. Yeah. And just looking at this table, I know that we mentioned West Ham is a team that has really exceeded expect, expectations, but Trey, I see this table, and I see that there are a lot of teams that are not meeting the expectations that they set for themselves. So what is Let's a team? Let's go through that. Yeah, let's go through that right now. Yeah, I mean, let me just pick out a few teams. I mean, Liverpool, they're in six title winners of last year. Tottenham, ninth. Arsenal, 11th. Of those, like, three teams, which is one that really stands out to you? Biggest disappointment. What are we going to do? Disappointments right now. I'd say uh, probably the biggest disappointment to me has to be Arsenal. I, I think – you know, for them to be sitting at 11th right now, yeah. um, they have not been – the problem was was that, like, they, they weren't super competitive, like, before this, and they aren't showing any signs of, like, getting any better. Yeah. You know, um, Chelsea, um, Spurs, Liverpool all had, you know, enough – recent success really I think to 
say like, okay, this might just be a, a bad year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arsenal, I think they, they've got some real problems there. Um, so I, I'd say they're probably my most disappointing team. Okay. Um, I, I, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think all of those clubs, obviously, they had super high expectations. But um, I think all those clubs want to win the league. That, that's the thing, though. Um, I, I think, yeah, Arsenal is probably the farthest away from that. And, you know, yeah. for, for a club that has been, uh, you know, really trying, you know, it seemed for the last couple of years to, you know, maybe make some kind of changes, they're, I don't think they're doing enough. And it, no, no. I, I'll tell you what, though. Um, I'm going to change my pitch away from the top four. I am disappointed in Wolves and Sheffield United. Probably Sheffield United the most. I think it's, you might say, it's easy to be disappointed in the teams that are usually the top and not doing well, and the teams that are in relegation battles. Um, however, I feel like Sheffield United is different. They finished ninth last season. We were talking about how they weren't playing like a promoted team yeah. you know, a year and a half ago or something like that, uh, and, and they weren't. But they, I don't know what the deal is. It, and it's, it's so, it's difficult um, still for a promoted team to find success consistently. But at the same time, like, they had an identity last season. And I don't know, I, I really don't understand how that just diminishes uh, in months. I know maybe COVID's to blame. I don't want to just slap that blame on COVID. But moving on to Wolves, I think Wolves are also, uh, they finished seven. They're also a disappointment. Um, because I think we were also hailing uh, Nuno, uh, Nuno Esperno, um Sanchez, right? Is that his last name? Santos. Yeah. Santos, Santos, thank you. As, you know, really great manager, and I'm not saying he's not now, it just seems like these teams who have had more defensive identities have not lived up to that. I don't know whether that's more difficult now because it's hard for, harder to maintain fitness. They lost mm-hmm. fitness just kind of because yeah. of COVID and everything. It, it just seems like those teams should be playing better. I think it's better for the Premier League when you have defensive-minded teams like them that um, don't play this grittier style uh, when, when, the, when they do well. It's better for the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And before I say my two, I just want to touch on Wolves for a minute. I will give them a pass because they were missing Raul Jimenez, so a bad injury for a long time, who recently just came back to full training, which is good to see. Happy to have him back in the Premier League. But it's... It's really hard to ignore the London rivals Tottenham and Arsenal. I feel like those two have definitely just... It used to be a lot more fiery rivalry, you know what I mean? Yeah. It used to be a lot more on the line. Now there's not much on the, not much on the line. Yeah, besides pride, I mean, I still think that it's the most heated rivalry in England, but I just think that those two just really have not shown up to play. I know Arsenal, they went through that little patch where they literally weren't playing without an attacking midfielder, which is not going to work. I mean, they have, you know, dug themselves out of the hole a little bit, you know, with Emil Smith-Rowe and Martin Odegaard. But there's the 11th really just fine for Europa League. And really, Spurs have been bad as well. I mean, they brought in Jose Mourinho for one, for one reason, to win. And that is not happening right now. And just like <laughs> Arsenal, they're only – ticket back to the Champions League is the Europa League. And the Europa League, me and Forrest know, is not a cakewalk. It's going to be hard for them to do that. And just, they have so much firepower and just so many stars everywhere that you have to sit there and wonder, like, why is this club sitting ninth in the Premier League in, at the end of February from the start March? So I just feel like that those two London rivals just 
haven't really shown up to play this year. Yeah, I, I think it's tough uh, for Mourinho, for sure. Um, I mean, it's always tough when you just don't have that. I think, I think, I think that was probably a motivational thing um, when, you know, you, you, he's a guy that really wants to win. He's been adamant that he can win and he'll be on the club's uh, good side of history for, um, you know, years to come and everything. But I just don't know if his style works um, long-term winning. I don't know if that's what they – I guess immediate win is good. I just feel like with the Premier League, they are outclassed in a lot of ways week in and week out. But if the EFL Cup comes around, they have, they're playing Manchester City in this final in months away in April. I just don't know if they can even win that. It, it's, it's so tough because you just don't really – I, I don't feel threatened by Spurs at all. And that's why it's tough for him. I think he wants them to be threatening, and he's adamant that that's yeah. the case. But is it really reality? And the crazy thing about the squad is just that starting 11, I feel like it could go toe-to-toe with Manchester City, but they just don't. On paper, it looks great. Um, but, yeah. <clears throat> and I was just, you know, also thinking about Spurs. And we, we had a discussion when Mourinho was hired um, on the podcast, kind of just what we were expecting, you know, if we could even try to make a prediction about what to expect. And um, there's clearly, like, you've got Mourinho, who is undoubtedly, like, one of the most decorated managers of all time. Current out of current managers, I mean, where would y'all rank him at? His, ex- but here's the his success was with Chelsea, and and he says he's yes. a better manager now. So that's the it, thing. But like, his drive so spells last got, years. Yeah, so he's got like he's got this history, and then Spurs have this lack of history. So there's this clear, you know, discrepancy, and I think that there was just this expectation of like you got to come in and take this club who. You have this manager who has all this good history and have this club who has all this bad history, and then, boom, it's going to work. And, I mean, we've seen a club like Spurs, look at how fast they moved on from Poach, like, a year ago. I mean, granted, they were not in the best form, but they were just easy, just easily let him go. I, I think it's just too much trigger so happiness I think, from yeah, the Yeah, and I there. think, you know, it's it's just, you know, you've got this club that's really, honestly, just desperate at this point. Yeah. Um, and uh, it when you've got a manager that's as fiery as Mourinho um, pairing with a desperate club, they, I don't know how much time you want to give them, but I can't, you know, sit here and, you know, expect Mourinho to just fix all of that club's problems in less than a season. But it feels like Spurs fans are kind of expecting him to do that. And I don't like, know. It's, yeah, I mean, like, the thing, like, I, I just expect more hunger from this club because of all, like, because of all the big six teams, them included, like, all of the other ones, they've won at least one trophy in like the past six or seven mm-hmm. years, whereas Spurs have not. So I would just expect for this club to have more hunger and more drive to go on and win a trophy. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of disappointing that they don't. I feel like they, they add something to it, but um, I think we have this conversation a lot. With all the money, with the new stadium, with all the money, with the players, with all, with all the money and resources and time put into this stuff, you just don't have anything to show for it. I'm going to end on this. Um, 
I know uh, this, this, this might be kind of as expected, but I feel like, you know, these mid-table sides, especially Southampton and Crystal Palace, Palace has great victories on occasion. Um, but to me, they, them and Southampton are like, especially Palace, I don't know why I'm zeroing in on them for some reason, they're the bang average team that'll impress you once in a while. Um, you know what I mean? And, and that, I feel like Premier League kind of needs those. And those, even in times like these where people are saying the Premier League's boring, provide some entertainment because without those clubs being brilliant for a little bit, but, you know, kind of meh, and then, you know, also can get hammered by Liverpool in crazy fashion at the same kind of rate, you need that. Uh, and, and everything like that. You need you need teams like Brighton to do the same thing and Burnley to do the same thing because that's what their identity kind of is. They'll they'll impress you once in a while. But I, so I think there's actually interesting stuff in watching them play as well. So yeah. Well, that's gonna do it, I believe, for this episode. Yep. We've got a lot of a uh, lot of unanswered questions, though. I feel like at mm-hmm. this point in the season. Uh, which is kind of refreshing, I'd say. You know, there's been a, like you mentioned, City has kind of you know wrapped up the Premier League, but um, that the title itself. But there's still a lot more at play. A lot of questions, yeah. Um, and you know, going into the last couple months of the season, uh, we're gonna find out a lot, and there's gonna be a lot of changes. Yeah, we had some really good conversation today, boys. Really, really happy with the way this episode went. Yeah, for sure, guys. All right, everybody, that is it. Uh, We will be back hopefully very soon. (laughs) All right, appreciate y'all.